This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. What's up, everybody? This is Marco Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. You are here for another fine episode of the Knife Talk podcast. This is where we answer questions. Uh, we help you troubleshoot your problems and dilemmas, whether it's actual knife making or life. Um, we're just here to have a good time, give each other a hard time. Uh, I'm back from self-imposed exile, and I look forward to hearing what these guys have been up to. We, as always, are here with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and we have a very special guest with us today, Mr. Vince Molina. He is one of the two heads of Broadback Ironworks, and we're super psyched to have him here and talk with us about the machines and also just to kind of join in the conversation because uh, he is a maker himself. Uh, he is also a teacher of knife making and he goes through the struggles and everything too. Uh, and I think he's got a very cool perspective. I personally have had many great conversations with him. So I look forward to all of you getting to meet and get to know him a bit better yourselves. How's it going guys? Hey How's man, it? what's going on? It was a good intro. It's a really strong intro. He's back stronger than ever. It's a fucking good intro, Morocco. <laughs> a good intro. It's my Adder- but- my Adderall's kicking in. Oh, I've yeah. got one lit one little thing to say there, Morocco. Sure. You said um, you're dying to know what we've been up to, so you haven't been listening to the show. I, I, Jesus I, no. Christ! He doesn't listen. I told you he doesn't Christ. listen. He doesn't listen. <laughs> I'm a disappointment. We- <laughs> I got tired of listening to my own voice, honestly. I stopped That's listening fair. a while ago because I'm just well, like, the, You weren't on the last three weeks. <laughs> What's your excuse for that? No, sure. It's become a habit <laughs> now. Fed up a vowel voice, let's face it. Okay, fair. So, Marco, where have you been? What's been going on? I've been on the road. So, for the last couple of weeks, I've been uh, on the road. First, in Montana, uh, I went over to work with Will Stelter and uh, a crack shot crew of Damascus makers, some of the leading edge crafters of our times right now mr salem straub uh we also had charlie ellis joshua prince will himself and myself as well and uh we came up with some really interesting new approaches to making patterns and develop new forging dyes and forging processes and uh, we're really excited to uh share it with people eventually we kind of we did a little bit of uh teasing here and there um, but we didn't get too detailed in the process because we really want to get something put together and forged out and kind of to present the work all kind of like in sync, in synchronized in a way or in a, a meaningful way. Um, so that was, that was great. Like oh, sorry. Go Aveng- ahead. Avengers Assemble there. That's the, the, the high level Assemble, guys. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's kind of the cream oh. of the crop right there, man. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, all good guys. This was, it was really great to spend that time with them. Um, and Will's got a great setup. Uh, he's got a great shop with all kinds of vintage machinery. Um, 
uh, some of it <laughs> was showing its age. Some of it, some of it was rocking and rolling smooth as ever. Um, <laughs> Has he got a shop full of old shit? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot of vintage machines, and they're beautiful and well-made machines. Um, they are old. Some of them, like I said, were running running pretty damn smooth. Others uh, weren't uh, necessarily set up yet. Fortunately, Salem. <laughs> is uh he's a very talented kind of mechanic of, of sorts he's a he's an everything guy but he he did a great job of breaking machines and then fixing them again <laughs> as well as uh setting things up it was good though it was fun we had a good so, time and fortunately like everybody there's like a a cook so we had awesome food like the entire time um and yeah, we just kind of hung out and shared ideas and kind of worked together on this project, and it was super fun. And then after that, I was in Anchorage, Alaska, working with Gabe Fletcher, uh, who is a budding new maker and uh, the owner of Anchorage Brewing, which are some of the best beers I've ever had in my mm. entire life. Uh, and and so I worked with him, teaching some of my approach and process of knife making and handle sculpting one on one, and we also had a great time. Um, so, Mariko, let me ask you this. You're mostly a press guy, right? You, you tend to do most of your work on the press. Um, I know Will has this massive, what's it, like 300-pound boundary or something like that? 450 pounds. Yeah. How 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 was it working with that? I, I, I got a chance to work with um, uh, Salem at his shop. Oh, and, sure. His and, and that he's got a 300-pounder, yeah. and, and that thing was amazing to 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 work with how so what why did you think i predominantly have done a lot of my forging under the press but i actually have a lot of time under big hammers too and when i first started making damascus when i worked for bob kramer uh i was forging under a 500 pound little giant was the first power hammer i used Um, which is somewhat horrifying because this giant mechanical thing is smashing in front of your like inches away from your face yeah uh and it's you know it's a machine that was built in the 40s or 60s or something like that and so and it hadn't it the machine that bob had it had been uh it was built for the railway it sat in storage it never got used another guy bought it built his shop around it he never used it and so when we first got when bob got it it had never been well maybe they ran it at the factory but other than that nobody had used it and so you know on an old machine like that you don't know what might go wrong or what's worn out or has had issues over you know sitting around for the last 50 years or whatever yeah um so but uh the power hammer was good it was one of those old machines that uh will's got and he's got it (laughs) running but still needed to be dialed in a little bit thankfully because of salem's salem's experience and expertise he was able to help dial things in and tune it up Um, but it was actually very familiar to me to use that um and so yeah it was fun it was fun but we did honestly we did a lot of the work under the coal iron press coal iron press was the uh the mvp of the of the gathering for sure yeah, those are pretty sweet. They're pretty slick. Nice, nice. All right, Jeff, what's been going on? I'm listening to Vince come in here like a pro. You see how he, he's been doing his homework. He's, he's been doing his homework. Look at this guy. Guy comes in and he asks a great question right out of the shoot. I'm like sitting back and don't doing anything. Hey, yeah. man, you know, I listen to uh, Knife Talk all the time, you know? You, just, had to, you had to work so, from the Something's got to stick. Fine. I understand. I understand. But I'll listen to that. Everything's fine. We're cracking along. Um, 
cracking along. I had a kind of a funny thing happen. Uh, last week I was talking about the lawnmower department. The lawnmower department in some shops, my yeah. shop, was where people come in and they need something fixed. And you do, maybe you don't want to do it, but, you know, it's a nice little gesture. I always called it the lawnmower department. A friend of mine comes in with a, um, a project he's going to do with the, just, a ter- uh, just a tremendous amount of steel. And he didn't really think things through, and I had to, I try to I try to explain how, how I trying to understand what he's doing, and I trying to help him, but at the same time trying to get him to understand how much work he's putting into something that he doesn't have any idea on. It was this whole big production, and he you know don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And I welded all this stuff up, and I helped him load it in the truck. I said, look, you can use my shop if you want. He goes, no, 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 no. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And I'm looking and he's driving away with all this steel that I just welded up. And I'm like, there's just no, he's coming back. There's just no way. This is coming back. And it was interesting because we were talking about it um, at the shop and I was explaining that this is something that a lot of people, a lot of knife makers do too, is they have this idea of what needs to be done, but they don't have an idea of how to carry it through correctly you know, without wasting time and energy and they get involved with investing in things and buying things, thinking that they know what needs to happen and they don't. So that was kind of an interesting conversation that David and I, David and I had, and, and, you know, in terms of, you know, knife making, in terms of like, is your stomach bigger than your eyes or, or your, I mean, your eyes bigger than your stomach and can you, you understand what's going on? And that was that. And then, um, the Knicks beat the, the goddamn Cavaliers and and we are New York is crazy right now. People are like losing their minds. This is the first time in ten years the Knicks have gotten the second round of the playoffs, and I'm taking full advantage. I'm getting the the Fader Knives Knicks colors T-shirts already printed up, and that I made six years ago. I made them six years ago. I, I you know I thought get the colors of my team, and uh, we got some more coming in, and I'm doing like a, I'm doing a two weeks of two sets of knives owed to new york so mm. this set i'm dropping uh hopefully well this is coming out on sunday hopefully friday i did a set of five old school my knives but then the themes were you know new york it was a, it was a love note to new york so mm. that's that and i'm going to do some nick's colored handles next week and you know we're kind of having some fun so that's it very nice very nice How did are you? i see that aaron Rodgers got picked up by the jets Ugh, this is the oldest, stupidest. They, they've been taught. This is the worst part about. Uh, yes, the answer is yeah. I, I, sound, okay. I sound like I'm upset about it. <laughs> you do. Yes, this has been a story. You know, the You're problem is. at everything. No, no, no. It, well, here's the thing. Like, the, this has been the Knicks' best season in a long time. And sports radio for the past three months has been talking about Aaron Rodgers maybe going to the Jets. And it's like he went into some, he went into some like darkness cavern retreat, and to do ayahuasca and figure out what he was going to do and leave. What if they're not even going to leave the Packers? So for three months, it was three months of speculation on what is he going to do. And he finally said, "I'm coming to the Knicks and or coming to the Jets." And yes, the answer is coming to the Jets. So he's he's outshining all these really tr- good stories. Like you know, this, yes, the answer is yes. Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets. It's going to be exciting for New York, that is for sure, but I am not a uh, Do you think the Jets will Jets finally fan. be good? I mean, they listen, that this is the way that sports is now. You, you got to throw money at the problem and make it go away. <laughs> That's what the Mets have been doing. The Mets have been – you guys don't want to talk about sports, but who knows? Well, it might be very exciting here in New York with Aaron Rodgers, or it could be like the last time they got like Brett – uh, Brett Favre to come in and like you know crap all over the field. Who never? Who knows? Oh, really? okay. 
I mean, you know, sports talk. Vince, what's going on? Oh, little bit of this, little bit of that. Um, this this week was really exciting, actually. Um, I'm presenting my presentation knives for my JS at Blade oh. Show, and I finally finished the last knife. Um, Whoa! You haven't been seeing a whole lot. Um, you know, my my uh, Instagram page is Dreamer Forge Knives, and I've been kind of lost in the last year. I mean, I think I have like five knives that I've posted in the last year, and that's because I've been working on this set. I probably have, I don't know, like 200 hours into wow. these knives. Holy shit. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I finally finished them uh, this week. So um, it's time to put out a shut up. We're going to see what happens. <laughs> did, you do the, did you do the performance test already? I did. I did. Jay Nielsen actually did it for me. Um, I passed that last fall, I think it was. And then I just been, you know, working on these knives for, you know, months. I don't have a whole lot of time in the shop. So pretty much every, every minute that I've had available, um, you know, I've been in the shop doing it. It's, it's, it's funny, actually, my, my performance knife... I forged, ground, and you know, pretty much made at Maker's Camp last year. That was my project, and I came back that following week and tested it. <laughs> yeah, how did you feel about it? I feel like at Maker Camp you were feeling a little stressed about it, things a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, uh, you know, I, I really didn't have any other time to make that knife and. Somebody came by and opened my kiln in the middle of the heat treating. So, somebody, you mean somebody? Mean some somebody? Who could it have been? I don't know. Who but possibly I, would have done. That? I, I, you huh. know, I, so I, I think I think Fader brought him there. So I'm gonna kind of, uh, so, you know. So John Ariane, this is John Ariane's fault. <laughs> just, just, this is hey, John Ariane. Say any names, I tell but, you, you know. don't worry about that. He ain't listening to this either. So Sunset Forge comes up to me. Yeah, we're at Maker Camp. And he goes, I think I fucked up. And I said, what do you mean you fucked up? And he said, Vince just yelled at me because I opened up the kiln and his, his, his performance knife was, was being heat treated or tempered in the oven. I don't know what the hell. I, I don't know what the hell happened. I'm like, oh, Jesus. So, so there's a lot of ball breaking around, that weekend. For pizza or something. I, what was yeah. he doing? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't he was know, trying to heat up his pizza. I, dude, I wanted to kill him. I was, <laughs> I was so mad. And, you know, Ryan and Ben thought I was going to hit him. So they were all getting really worried. I mean, I, dude, I, it, it was bad. It was bad. But uh, it, it made it okay. It it passed, so I'm good. So you got to credit uh, him now, because he, obviously his his help in opening up the kiln helped okay. you in the performance test. Dude, that knife had like fifteen thousands worth of decarb on it because I had to heat treat it so many times. All right, there you, go. <laughs> there you go. I would I would say in the long run, I think John probably has some sort of credit. Due to the excellent performance of that knife, a little bit. All right, I, I'll, 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 I'll give him credit, and I'll buy him a beer. There at you Maker's go. Camp next year, if he there makes it over there. There you go. But uh, what was your, what was your level of nervousness going, knowing that you had heat treated it so many times, performance test, the day of the performance test? How did you feel? You know, it was, it was funny because my, you know, my, my buddy. Uh, ben Seekers, you know, he was like, oh, you got to make two. You got to test one before the other. And I just did one. I mean, I made two knives, but I owned, I, I didn't test one. I just went for it. 
Oh shit! Um, yeah, from the hip. I, yeah, man. I just Damn. figured at that point, uh, uh, you know, I had done everything I could. I blew back to did everything that I needed to do, and he was either going to pass or he wasn't. So yeah, it's. I I felt the pressure more leading up to it, but then once it was done, it's like okay, here's here's my best work, and it's either good enough or it isn't, you know. So. It, it it wasn't too bad. I think uh, Ben was more nervous for me than <laughs> than anybody because I didn't test the other one. But mm. uh, you know, so if anyone wants to buy a JS, you know, performance knife, I have an extra one. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna send the, <laughs> the, the, the banana the test. <laughs> I thought yeah. you send the banana. Do you think people sell the 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 the, the banana ones? The ones yeah. that they bend the. If you don't know that the performance test, you have to make a knife that bend. You know, cut the wood and cut the rope and shave your arms and you know do all this, and then you put in a vice and then you bend it to ninety degrees. And when it comes back, it should be like a crescent shape, like a banana. And then they and then the and then the mastersmith signs it and then you pre- present it at the blade show when you're testing your uh, five knives. Do people ever sell those? Yeah, they do. Some some knife collectors, if they think you have a future in it, you know, kind of would will buy your presentation knives or a knife. And many of them like to have, you know, that uh, the banana knife. So. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I've had one offer on one of my knives already from my presentation. I haven't. It's the only one that I've posted so far. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of undecided if I'm going to sell them or I'm going to keep them. Um, you know, I, I don't know yet. But uh, I'll probably sell them because I'm tired of looking at them. <laughs> how would you? How would you even, hours, I'll do that. Yeah. How would you even like price out the banana knife? And they should just start calling it the banana knife. Let's just. Yeah. I mean, how do you price out the banana knife? I don't know, man. I I have no idea. I mean, mine, like, I I just did a paracord wrap on the handle because I was like, you know, I'm not going to spend all this time, effort, you know, in finishing the knife out if it's just going to get destroyed because it it really doesn't matter. You're you're being judged purely on performance. So, Mm. you know, uh, I just did a paracord wrap and went to town with it so uh but yeah i i I have no idea how you would even price that you know how much that would be worth to somebody i don't know Hmm. i would add it as a little extra if you buy the whole set you know you get the banana knife for (laughs) free oh yeah banana knife comes free (laughs) that's a pretty good deal if you buy you had to buy the all five of them to get the some late night shopping channel buy these knives and you get this knife free (laughs) (laughs) banana knife free that's it (laughs) Get a free banana. Well, I know you got a couple, uh, You got kids. Do you, do you yep. think you would? Your kids have any interest in maybe having that somewhere down the road? Well, so so that's that's kind of where where I'm debating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got two kids, and um, you know, the main piece is a big buoy with a you know mammoth ivory handle, and there was a lot of first because that's just not the style of knife that I make. So that one is the one that I kind of was thinking about keeping, but I have a really nice offer on that knife, so I'm kind of going back and forth if I'm going to sell it or not. Um, I, again, I mean, I'm I'm not sure. You know, I don't I, I don't know. You're loose. I'm, I'm not really attached to things, you know, like that mm-hmm. too much. You know, like I don't know. I, I'm just not sentimental. You're yeah, like Jeff. well, 
No, no, I, I wouldn't say that because, like, I own my grandfather's watch. Both of my grandfather's watches, um, I own them. I'm a big watch guy, by the way. I love watches. Hmm. And I think if you found me, you know, homeless somewhere under a bridge, I would still have those two watches with me, you know. Oh, man, um, you are sentimental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not just a heartless business guy i'm really not <laughs> not just not just a heartless business guy. <laughs> so last question on the five set so yeah. you got about a month before blade show yep. something like that maybe a couple weeks how yep. do you store them so you don't have to like freak out that there's going to be some surface rust on them before yep. the presentation and are you driving or flying so interesting question so Jay Nielsen is going to be teaching a class here at the Moran Foundation um, here in Maryland. He's going to be staying here with me. And he's going to take a look at all my knives one last time. As soon as that's done, they're going to get coated with WD-40, and I'm going to vacuum pack them. Huh. That way, hmm. no moisture, nothing, in, and then nobody else is touching these knives until I I am at the at the show ready to present them. Um, I'm going to be doing both driving and flying. I'm going to fly from here to Cincinnati to meet the rest of the Broadback crew. And then we're going to drive down. So I am very freaked out because I've heard horror stories of people flying with the knives and then TSA opens the bag and goes through them and they just fucking just throw them in there piled up and yeah. And, and have ruined. I mean, that has happened to at least two people. That, that happened to Ryan Brower last year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm really freaked out because if that were to happen, um, I, I will, I will probably be arrested at the airport. <laughs> well, don't say, don't say but, that uh, now. You're putting a can of her on this whole situation. Don't say that. Yeah. So um, well, I wonder what you could do. Well, what I'm thinking of doing is getting a Pelican uh, case. And then, um, you know, one of those hard, hard plastic cases, put them in there, you know, well protected, and then putting a lock on them. Uh, and if they want to, I'm, I'm going to check it in and tell them up front what's in it, why it's in there. And if they want to look at it, I'll, I'll open it for them right there. But that way, um, I, I don't know that that's going to, you know solve anything but that's i think the most that i can do right to yeah at least you need to be present for them to exactly, see it. exactly yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. but yeah I, I yeah i i i i couldn't imagine if all of this work got completely destroyed just because some people got in there for yeah some dumb reason so yeah but i i am extremely nervous about that actually mm-hmm. Was Mareko was mentioning that Ryan Brewer had he was testing last year. He put his knives in his, his bag. He checked them, and he even wrote a note: "Please don't touch these. They're being judged for a very important whatever." He wrote, and the fucking people opened it up and put a fingerprint on them. At least yeah. they just touched them. They said, "Don't touch them." Okay, don't touch them. I touched them. So he had to like take off this finger. This fingerprint had. Yeah. had become um, an issue and he had to like rush 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 to get it squared away that was terrifying yeah and that's that's the reason why i'm going to keep everything vacuum packed you know i i think uh 
you know, people if people grab it as long as they don't start cutting the bags and oh, you yeah. imagine. I mean, um, but oh, that's the that's the plan. Oh boy, that's, that's the plan. That, that's a good call because they're still visible. They can still Correct. see them and pick them up, but they can't. Yeah, mark them. Nice. What I don't understand is why these fucking dingbats think they have to touch the fucking knife. Like, what do they? They op- if they open up a pouch and they see a knife, like, okay, it's not C four. It's not a fucking gun. It's a it's a knife. Yeah, why well, do you gotta think, fucking touch it? Well, I think it's unique for them, right? I mean, think about most of these guys that have never seen a Damascus knife, or they've never seen anything nowhere near what we make. They're, the first thing they do is they rub their fingers on the Damascus to see if it's, you know, if 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 it's real or what it is. I mean, I I see that at shows even, you know, for sure. Just, but it's not a fucking yeah. petting zoo. It's the fucking. <laughs> It's a fucking <laughs> security. You look at it. If it's not a dangerous thing, move the fuck on. Why do you got to touch it? They don't yeah, give a fuck. You know. You've seen some of these guys at TSA? I mean, come on. These are not. I mean, you're not talking about like, sound like this. You're, just, yeah, you're, you're not talking about like doctors and lawyers here. You're talking yeah, about like, guys who see a note saying don't touch it and they touch it. <laughs> yeah, they, Nobody tells you, me what not to touch. <laughs> next time Mareko is flying, he's going to get you know, dart, frog, poison, and rub his knives with it just in case, you know? Yeah. People will pay for touching my knives. Jeez. <laughs> or his dick people. or something. <laughs> rub his dick on. Coca- yeah, somebody's going to end up getting Cocobolo dick. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Shall we do some questions? Craig, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm all right. It's been, actually, it's been a very uneventful week until today. Until today, and two things have happened today. The the one which is the important one, which is the, what makes me very happy, is Vince just said that he's not really spending that much time in the shop. And our listeners will probably would have gathered I'm spending very little time in the shop. Um, but come June the 1st, little buddy is going to be in permanent childcare every day of the week. Um, so I'm back in the shop. I'm back to full time June the 1st. So I'm buzzing. I'm very, very excited about that. Um, so that's the good news. The bad news that happened today, I got busted by the Rosas, the 5-0. What? Busted. <laughs> so I was taking my my uh, sister sister back to the airport, um, and that's in the big city back in Bordeaux, so that was like two hours away. And um, a, a police bike passes, and I think, okay, he's just passed. Pulls in front of me, lights on, pulls me over. I'm like, oh, jeez. I, I was doing nothing wrong, nothing wrong at all. Yeah. Um, and we've, <laughs> well, I say doing nothing wrong. We've been breaking the law for some time here. So we've got a British plated car here. Um, and the reason for that is when we bought the car, my wife was pregnant and we needed a bigger car for the kids. Um, and she wanted a, a right-hand drive, which is how they drive in the UK. Um, because that's what she's always driven. She felt she feels safer in that. Um, and you're allowed to do that. But after six months, you need to deregister it and register it as a French car. And we just never have. And nobody around here has. We're full of Brits around here. Everybody's driving British cars with British plates. But it's only when you go to the city that they may pull you over. And I just completely forgot all about it. They pulled me over. And I, I had Buddy with me. I dropped oh. my sister off at this point. had Buddy with me. And then, you know, the, the, the communication was a bit of an issue anyway with the language. Um, it got to the point where they said, follow us. They took me to the station. I had to follow the bike. With the baby? With the baby, oh, yes, yeah. Jesus. And I'm thinking, are they going to impound the car? What What's going to happen, you know? Um, thankfully, I just had a fine. I had a €150 Euro fine, and they told me to be on my way and sort it out soon. But it was just like, oh, 
the, the last thing I needed. It was like an hour of just waiting around in the station, thinking, oh, not really knowing what was going to happen, you know? Um, but um, thankfully, it was just a fine. They didn't really know what to do, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, so that, so that was today. So today's been excited for two different reasons. <laughs> one good, one bad. But um, apart from that, very uneventful week, I'm afraid. That's very positive of you to call it exciting. Yeah, well, it got yeah, it got it got the blood pumping. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, one of those things. One of those things. Let's let's talk about knives. That's why we're here. Um, first of all, let's talk about these guys. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. Do it now. Right, Vince, you know how this works. We have questions in from the filthy public. They DM us on Knife Talk on uh, Instagram. We are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. People DM us their questions. We try and answer. Um, so we've we got four chances of getting it right this week, at least. Um, this first one is from Ronald Knives. Uh, a question for you all, um, and possibly a bit of a deep cut, he says. What do you do when you're feeling uninspired or unmotivated to get into the workshop? I know in your case, it's how you make a living, so it's a little different for you than for those of us who just make things as a hobby or a creative outlet. But I'd still appreciate any advice you have on the subject. I feel like every couple of years, I hit a point where even though I still have ideas for projects and things I want to make, I just lose motivation and don't feel like I have the energy to get into the workshop and actually do anything. The stupid thing is that I know that actually being out there helps with whatever is on my mind that's holding me back, but I still just find it hard to get started sometimes um it's that, that whole gym syndrome isn't it the idea of going to a gym is just like ugh. when you're there it was a dad's quite enjoyable <laughs> quite enjoyable jim will fix it eh? anyway so ronald knives asked that question let's start let's start with vince then feeling uninspired and unmotivated what what gets you back on back on track vince mm, you know sometimes for me is is just getting back in there whether I want to or not. Um, I tend to just force myself to go into the shop and um, I find that once I start working, you know, my, like my mind moves, right, from whatever is, you know, troubling me. I mean, my, um, you know, and and I kind of, it becomes almost a turning point uh, you know, like I, I lost my dad last summer and, um, you know, I spent probably about um, almost two months where I just, you know, just really didn't, mm. didn't feel like anything. And I kind of didn't want to get into shop, didn't want to do anything and just finally got into shop and started working. And I kind of forgot about everything, you know, just, just once I started, you know, working on a project and it just kind of kind of help me, you know, move on. So I, I, I see that happens to me a lot. You know, it's, there's been times where I'm either, you know, dealing with something with Broadbeck or, you know, business or, or home or relationships. I, I'll find myself in the shop at one in the morning and that's, that's kind of my cure. So, um, you know, again, even when, when the situations kind of don't make make me not feel like doing that i find that going in there anyway yeah kinda, just the act of starting out is enough to get you exactly get motivated kinda, again gets yeah. me gets me moving you know, in a different direction so yeah that makes sense uh Mareko, what about yourself 
Uh, this is a poignant question because I'm kind of in the middle of this right now. Uh, and actually, when I was in Montana, I was talking with Salem about it a bit. Um, and I think part of that is because we're both basically the same age. We've been doing this about the same amount of time. Um, and lately for me, it's about every six months or so, mm. I get like, I get super unmotivated. I get depressed. I get, I feel a lot of stress and anxiety building up and, and I struggle with breaking through it and things that do really help me. And which is part of the reason I went and did this Montana thing is working with other makers, mm. um, finding opportunities to work with other makers, have conversations, find the similarities and common ground and that so that I don't feel honestly, it's, it's, <laughs> It's honestly like a, uh, uh, it's like a support group in a way <laughs> yeah. and on And you know, doing this podcast is kind of like having my own support group to, so that I don't feel like I'm in the struggle alone all the time. Um, because it is otherwise a very solitary job, especially if you're doing yeah. it full time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Another thing I got going on right now. Oh, sorry. Let me back up a little bit. I think part of the reason I'm feeling a little burned out is because I've more or less, you know, I experiment with different handle shapes or blade pat or Damascus patterns, but more or less I'm making the same knife over and over and over again. I've been mm -hmm. doing it for going on 10 years and I'm kind of getting burned out. And I find myself, and this is exactly what I was talking to Salem about. I find myself more engaged with the shit that isn't necessarily earning me money, but it's, it, it's, it kind of is a, a, a relief from the day-to-day, -day, literally like the day-to-day -day grind, the repetitiveness of the work that I'm doing. Um, and it's the experimentation, constantly fussing and playing around with new finishes, um, playing around with new Damascus patterns, um, learning more about knife sharpening when I did the thing down in Portland with uh, Sean Houston. Um, and all of those, uh, I, I've, so I've been trying to work to figure out how to incorporate more of that time into my schedule, my weekly schedule, if not my monthly schedule at least, so that I am making time for that to re-engage my brain in a, in, a, in a way that doesn't make me feel so much like I'm just grinding nonstop and, and continuing to feel, it, it puts a break or it kind of, it, it helps break up the, the, I don't know, like not the mundanity, but monotony, monotony, um, and, and helps to, yeah, kind of mix things up a little bit so that my brain is a little bit more engaged. I have something that I'm kind of exploring, experimenting with, um, and, and, and that helps with the kind of like the, the lack of inspiration, um, because at a certain point, it is my job. This is how I pay the bills. And I do have to figure out how to buck the fuck up and get going. And so I need, but I really struggle with it. And, and by doing these things, it's really helped. I also, if not doing experimentations, maybe having my own personal projects, exploring a different style of knife that I don't normally make, or a different style of handle construction, whether it's like a frame, multi-piece frame handle, uh, takedown, or whatever kind of different style of blade uh different knife making techniques um i i'm also some i build that in as well um and and so i'm also doing that actually right now i'm kind of taking a even though i've been out of the shop for the last couple of weeks i'm taking like the next couple of weeks to 
kind of do some exploration stuff. I've talked, touched a little bit about some of these, um, kind of these ancient Roman sword patterns that, um, that were on earth, like almost a couple hundred years ago and nobody's been able to figure out how to make them. And I figured out how to make them. And so I'm mm. feeling, um, I'm taking time cool. to work on recreating those and forging, making swords out of them. Um, even though that's not what I do, it's, it's something that's helping to kind of, which is, I hate this phrase, but like fill my cup to like revitalize me in a way yeah. so that I have more energy going back into my day-to-day uh, bread and butter of making my chef's knives. Mm. Okay. Yeah, what do you think, sense. Craig? Um, I, I think I'm, I'm a little different as in, I, I don't really get uninspired or unmotivated, but I can lose my focus easily. So I've always got a bunch of different projects, like loads. And when I'm into one, I'm into it 100%. Um, so I can easily get distracted by something else as opposed to feeling unmotivated. It's more of a case of my attention is there's something else shiny that's taking my attention. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's my biggest sort of barrier, really, with, with you know, finishing projects, that kind of thing, is not working on other projects. Um, so, yeah, my my cup overflows i suppose that's that's a different way of looking at it <laughs> i can hear some stifled laughing there. sounds like Not you need a bigger me. cup <laughs> possibly possibly it's all this testosterone ladies <laughs> oh easy easy gets pulled over by the french cops and all of a sudden he's he's uh johnny law unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> yeah the renegade um, Jeff, what about yourself? My answer is going to be feel different. You don't really suffer from this too much. My answer is going to be totally different, and yeah. I, that's the best part about you know all these different perspectives, and you get a little bit of everything. Um, I've wanted this, you know, when I was an art major, I had my my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, her grandfather, her step grandfather, somebody took me aside and said, if you're going to be with my granddaughter, blah, blah, blah. It, she, he kind of lit me up as an art major. And I wanted to prove him wrong. And mm. I, when I came to New York, 21 years old, 22 or so years old, I did whatever it took to be an artist. And it was like, I needed to know, I know that I can do it. And it was a more along the lines of proving to not only myself, but like naysayers that I could do it. Had the galleries you know, had successes and failures and worked and stuff. I've always felt very strongly about being, trying to be as motivated as possible because time is not on my side. And it was always for me, making sculpture was very much along the lines of, I saw it as a job. And um, to, the, to this day, it's like I, I live and die by deadlines and I appreciate them. The crazy thing is now there's, besides me at Fader and I, there's three other people who kind of depend on me. Like I can't take time off. So I like being as organized as possible to make sure we're earning money and we're running this business correctly. So for me, it's, 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 I haven't been unmotivated. I'm probably more focused now because, you know, we need, we need to make knives and we need to make money. So we're, we're starting these new things. We cleared all the decks and now we're making, we're, I'm thinking a week by week, plus a week. So I'm thinking two weeks down the line, three weeks down the line. And then I'm able to, I have this de- this goal where we're doing, we're having 10 to 15 knives ready for the website by the, by Friday. And we're making it, we've been doing it, we've been doing it steady. And it's been like, 
it's allowed me to be a little bit more focused and the more focus focused and organized I am, the less likely I am to just kind of like goof around. So, and when I say goof around, I mean like there, if I didn't have a game plan and I just walked in my shop with zero game plan, I could totally see myself. Um, I could totally see myself, um, looking at a hammer and saying, you know what, maybe I should make a hammer or maybe I should do this. I need to be, there needs to be a t complete goals for the entire week. And I don't, and it works for me. So it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for me. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Before we go into the next one, which, which is anonymous, we love an anonymous question. Um, let's talk grinders. If you want a grinder, there's only one place to go. Harbor Freight. No. <laughs> Vince, tell everybody what grinder they should be buying. Broadbeck Ironworks, man. Of course. Of course. Yeah, we're we're having a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, we managed to turn the 2x72 into a complete knife maker shop. Um, you know, with all the different attachments, we got some... We're excited. We have some new attachments coming out really, really, really soon. So keep your eye out for that. And we're going to have another big unveil for uh, Blade Show. So that's that's coming oh, cool. up. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have a really good sale for Blade Show too. Um, you know, we're going to have some, some uh, freebies included. Some of the new stuff that's coming out is going to be included. So uh, pretty excited. Nice, nice. And if people want to buy one now, there's discount codes, isn't that? So um, what are the current codes you've got going? Uh, we have the Knife Talk 200. So you get $200 off your machine. And that's off one of the packages, you know, one of the like complete packages, I believe. And you've got Knife Talk 100 or 150 for? $100 for $100 off the leather sewing machine, the surface belt grinder, and the sharpening system. Yep. There we go. I have a Broadbeck question for you, Vince. Sure, go ahead. I love my Broadbecks, and they have you know changed the way I work. How do you feel the landscape is in the grinder business? Because I've been I've been jokingly referring to because you see grinder companies coming you know all over the place. I I make I jokingly call it grinder wars. What do you do to keep Broadbeck you know at the top of the game? As opposed to, you know, all these new companies are coming up and it's like, how many things can, you know, how many grinders can you sell one person? It's just, how are things going? So, you know, it's, it's going well. I think every business has experienced a little bit of a downturn with the economy right now. But, you know, as we're still continuing to, you know, sell the grinders really well, um, both to new makers and makers that have other grinders that then use a broadback and you know switch to it so that has been pretty good um we continue to you know update and change you know the grinder i think we're on like 27th on the 27th revision or something like that um so just continue to improve it um little subtle things that make a difference um you know we continue to do more attachments and more more things kind of delivering more value both from you know a space perspective being able to use the same space to do a number of things a number of processes so um you know that's kind of what our focus has been um uh i kind of wonder 
when the market is going to reach, you know, a saturation point. But every time we go to a show, um, I would say 50 to 70% of the people we talk to, they're like, hey, I just started making knives a year ago and I'm looking for, you know, a grinder or I'm saving money to buy your grinder. So um, I, I just don't see an end to it just yet, to be honest with you. That's good. Um, the other cool thing is, um, you know, we now have, uh, you know, Gamico is distributing for us in, in Australia. And, um, you know, that allows us to penetrate some markets that are lagging the U.S. market. Because um, usually, you know, whatever starts in the U.S., in other countries, they lag a few years behind while they get, you know, caught on on that and, and so forth. So. Um, you know, Maritime Knife Supply is distributing for us in Canada, so we're we're expanding internationally, and you know that's helping us keep our sales, um, you know, going and is keeping us growing. So that's big news, Gamaco. So Artisan Supply, what's the name of the website? Do you know offhand? Uh, I do not have their website offhand. It's um, artisan. I think it's artisansupply.com or .au. It's Gamaco. Yeah. It's yeah. Corin and the guys over down there. And that's big news for you guys, getting yeah. your grinders down in Australia, because the Australian knife-making community is huge. It is. It is. And, you know, they're, they're currently doing a pre-buy. So, um, you know, there's, there's some, some nice incentives to, to look at that and, uh, we're really, really excited to to start working with them, and um, definitely would like to make it, you know, down there at some point, um, uh, maybe next year, uh, you know, to go visit them and and do some activities over there. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. It's um, uh, again, it's I'm always dumbfounded when I actually have a minute to stop and look back at how much we've done in four years and how much mm. things have changed, you know, something that, um, you know, kind of a chance meeting, you know, on the set of fortune fire kind of it's, it's turning to this, you know, beast of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's been pretty awesome, you know? So Gamico's website is artisansupply.com.au. So if you want to, if you're in Australia, you want to check out, the broadbacks uh, go check out artisansupply.au artisansupply.com.au that's gamaco cool very cool okay jeff do you want to take this anonymous question yes uh anonymous i recently uh, i was recently given some knives another maker made to clean up they're a quarter inch thick the scales have shrunk there's 36 grit scratches on a quote mirror finish a mirror polish the list goes on and on but they're a mess I showed another knife-making friend, suggest, and he suggested I do the bare minimum to show how much cleaner my work is and to make it so they can always have a reminder that I make a better product. The original maker really phoned it in. I'd love to have them as a repeat customer, but is it shitty not to clean up the original knives up as well as I can? So does that make sense? So customer comes in, they have these knives and he wants to get fixed up. He looks at them. The craftsmanship is not what he would expect. And it was a lot of work. Some friend of him says, don't, you know, just dog it. Give them, you know, mm. let them know how, you know, how much better your knives are. Is this wrong? Is this right? What do you guys think? Hmm. 
You've just got to do your thing. Forget about the previous maker. This guy has come into you as a customer to ask for you to do something specific. Forget about the whole history of it. Just do what this guy wants, you know? Mm-hmm. if it, you know, Do the best job you can do, you know? Simple as that, I would have thought. What do you think, Mareko? I mean, I my concern would be... Um, or Sorry, let me back up. I think it's really important that whoever this guy is, whoever Anonymous is, um, talks to the owner of this knife and points Mm -hmm. out all these individual things. And especially like the handle scales, like, I don't know, what can you do about the shrinking handle scales? Like you can maybe (laughs) brighten them up a little bit, but like there's your limit on there. Um, Regarding the scratches, you can point those out, but I think it would be... I think it's important that you maintain an open line of communication because if you do some cleanup work on this knife and this person is expecting it to look really nice and they get it back and they see all this shit too, they're going to be like, oh, this guy fucking sucks at making or doing stuff. Mm. So I think it's important that you say, this is what I'm going to do. Or, and if, you know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to clean this shit out. I'm going to really like, there, there are a lot of issues with the knife. This is what I'm going to do to clean it up. And, you know, chart, I I would definitely make sure you charge accordingly, but I think letting things slide, the potential of that, I guess, lack of quality craftsmanship potentially could get put on to you. I don't know if this person owns work by this particular maker that he can literally sit there and s- s- compare side to side. But I think by the time it leaves this maker's hand, and that's kind of the, uh, the potential issue of taking on the work of other people's stuff is that yep. once you, it goes into your hands and then it leaves your hands. Now that work has become your work or certain aspects of it, of it have been. Yeah. 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 Well, I actually had this exact situation happen to me before. Oh, Vince is anonymous. Okay, we got it now. We got that quite quickly. <laughs> quite quick. Craig is a sniper today. Craig, Craig investigates. Okay, case closed. Craig, case closed. Craig is a sniper today. So I had this lady come with this knife that her um, late father-in-law made for her. Mm. And it was a basket case of a knife. But it had that sentimental value. So I kind of, when she brought it in, I, I told her I wasn't sure, you know, what I wanted to do and just had her bring it in. And then I pointed out everything that was wrong with the knife. And I asked her, what would you like me to do? I can basically remake the knife, in which case it's no longer your father-in-law's knife. It's, you know, it, mm. I would have mm-hmm. fixed everything and made everything right. Or do you want me just to clean it so that it's shiny and it looks, you know, nice, but it'll still have the soul that your, you know, father-in-law put in it, right? And and that's what she asked me to do, just get rid of, you know, the rust stains and just clean up the handles a little bit and make sure. everything look, you know, kind of shiny and new. But she didn't want me to make changes to the knife. So I, I think it's it's kind of going to be different to each person that brings it in. I don't know if, you know, for this guy, he's got some sentimental value attached to the knife or not, or he just don't want the knife to look like crap, you know. So uh, I think it's just an open conversation that you should have with your customer. What do you think, Craig? Craig? I think Craig started us off. 
I did, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, just, yeah, do the best job you can, I okay. think. Yeah, point out the flaws and say you can do what you can. But, yeah, don't do a shitty job just because it's already shitty. Do the best job you can do, surely. I think I feel- that the anonymous... Oh, oh sorry. Were you going to say, Marco? I was just going to say, I think the delay for... Cra- it sounded like he was maybe taking a bite of something. You got snacks over there, bud? Correct. Oh. <laughs> no, a drink, Ash. I've, I've got a beer on the go, yes. Oh. But, yeah. I thought I heard sorry. a little bit of a gulping sound. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the old gulp. I think the I think I got a bigger problem with Anonymous's friend who gave him the fucking flea bag advice to dog to dog the job so they make you think you can take the person's money and then do a dog job so they that's not I don't think that's right. I think that the the, the Vince and Mareko and, and Craig said the right thing. I think that you gotta be real careful about trying to gain more business by kind of being slightly underhanded. I think that you know, I just like do a shitty job because you know it'll make you look better. Is not it ain't gonna work, and that might work in Australia, but it ain't gonna work here. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Um, but uh, I would, I would really hope that um, you. I think uh, what uh, Vince said is correct. Is point everything out and tr- repair them, and then you know, have a maybe that conversation will turn into more business. But, you know, hoping that you do something that leads to business never works. You just got to do your best job and then business arrives. Yeah, I think that transparency also leads to trust, yeah. honestly. Right. Um, yeah. And and I, th- I think the way uh, Vince handled that situation was actually probably like best scenario that yeah. anybody could try to do. Because, he's, you know, you, you point out all the stuff and then you leave it up to them to make the decision of what they actually want to have repaired. Right. Um, and then, yeah, you move forward from there and charge accordingly. But yeah, to just kind of, to sandbag it, to try to make yourself look good is not necessarily acting or conducting yourself with the greatest integrity. Yeah. The hardest yeah. part is finding business. You can't, you have to almost like just do it because you, you, you know, hopefully your behavior kind of puts that good spirit out in the world and then more comes to you. Like yeah. but if you, well, if you're known as being like a flea bag, you know, that shit carries. Yeah, well, you know, I, I see this all the time both in my knife making business and in my uh in, in Broadbeck. You know, I find that when you truly try to take care of the customer, um, that kinda comes through and you end up, you know, gaining a, a really good customer, very often a friend. You know, just because you're really trying to take care of the individual and what their needs are, and your services are kind of secondary to that. Um, so that's just, you know, I, I have a very personal. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Approach to business in general, whether it's knives or whatever else, you know, and um, I, I find that people appreciate the fact that you're trying to taking of trying to take care of them. Not necessarily mm. trying to take care of the knife or make money off of them. Yeah, well, this ties in really nicely with another question we've had from Scarhill Blades, again on Instagram. Um, and they've said, how much would you pay for good customer service if you're comparing two products and know that you'll get better support by one company? What price difference would you take the risk? 
ten percent, forty percent, etc. Yeah, what's the what's the value of good customer service? I think that's what they're getting at. Mm. Jeff, what do you think? Customer service is, is so huge, and now as technology grows and you start to see less and you start to see prices drop on things in general, customer service is what's going to be very, very important. I remember when I was in the restaurant business, my, my business partner and I were both in the restaurant business, so we have a real strong background in hospitality. Mm-hmm. And our boss at the time, Charlie Palmer, told me the first night I was the general manager of this restaurant, he said to me, treat everybody like they're your parent or your fan or friend or your family. And he says, there's one of the things about restaurants is the food could be great, but if the customer Mm -hmm. service is bad, you're probably not going to go back. But if the food is like fine, but the customer service is amazing, people are going to come back because they want the, to be treated right. And I've gotten more, I've gotten better, more return customers because I answer emails fast. I, I do what I say I'm going to do. I, I, I come in on time. I, I, I over, you know, I, I overproduce almost. And I think that that customer service follows you and then the referrals come. That's, mm-hmm. that's the future of business now because there's been such a lack of customer service in general that once you, people feel that trust that they have with you, they're going to want to give you your business or want to refer it. So the answer is, is customer service is huge. And in the knife game, it's very interesting because, you know, there are so many people who had jobs, hated their jobs, found knife making, decided to become a knife maker, and then hated working with customers to the point in, in the previous job that they are very vicious towards their customers now. And that's always a mistake, you know, trying to be as, you know, a positive uh, business person with with great customer service is always going to win. Always, mm. I think as more and more business becoming automated, um, and lots of business like drop shipping and all that kind of stuff. I suppose it's an opportunity for people as well, isn't it, to give good customer service to give that whole thing like we, we do with nice we tried to sell our story it's, it's all about us mm. i suppose that's that's an opportunity we have as well then isn't it to maybe give that extra that extra level of you know that white glove service i suppose yeah well i mean i i think a lot of people you know when they buy a knife i mean you know they're spending a decent amount of money on a product you know i think um it more so than the product if you make it about make the whole thing an experience and you know people enjoy the whole experience of purchasing your item um it definitely sets you apart from everybody else or 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 the knife being sold at walmart or being sold at a custom knife shop um you know if they get to talk to you and learn about you and and also feel that you're standing behind their product you know like my knives come with a lifetime warranty you know, against, um, um, you know, materials and, and workmanship. So, um, just, just if they feel it, it's kind of a package deal, if you will. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. I'm excited for next, this next question. Well, we didn't get um, to Morocco. Oh, sorry, Morocco. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I forget there's four of us. There's four of us. <laughs> He's just counting on fingers like one, two, three. All right, go. Oh. One, two, three. Okay, go. Um, yeah, I, I've always had this sense of responsibility. I think uh, in regards to customer service, I, it's, it's, the respons- uh, it's around the things that I'm making. 
And it wasn't until I read the book, Let My People Go Surfing by Von Chouinard, uh, who is the founder and owner of Patagonia, or maybe I don't, oh wait, he sold at Patagonia, right? <laughs> um, or all sh- I can't remember. Anyways, Patagonia, yeah, yeah. I, I think he still owns it. Yeah, he, still owns it. He, he sort of gave it to the to the staff, but I think he's still the CEO. Okay, I think. okay. I think, yeah. um, but it's a really great philosophy where he, even though he's making these products and they're sending them out to the world, they're selling them to people. They hold a level, a high level of responsibility for taking care of those products, that so that they are, you know, they last as long as possible because we do live in a world where there is an element of engineered obsolescence, which means a thing yep. is designed only to last just long enough before it yep. takes a shit and goes into the garbage and you got to buy a new one. Yep. They feel a really strong sense, especially in regard to like, just like s- sustainable business practices of trying to help reduce the amount of crap and garbage that goes into landfills and to whatever just completely discarded discarded stuff they will take the clothes back and they will repair them and take care of them as best as they can for as long as they can um until those clothes are rags and then they'll replace them um and and so i've kind of that i i i I had this like philosophy in my head but i didn't really know how to put it into words or describe it and and explain it until i read that book and i was like yes i feel a sense of ownership even though i've made this thing i've sold the thing it's out in the world and it could be getting the shit kicked out of it if it gets sent back to me i feel a sense of responsibility like it's still like it's my own personal knife to take care of it and spa day it up and regrind it resharpen it re-etch it all that shit to put it back to new as best as I can and send it back out into the world. And I actually, I have one right now. I think it's my first custom knife. And so this is from a long time ago. This is from 2014. Uh, and it has had the shit kicked out of it. Um, it has been really poorly taken care of. Uh, and I'm going to spot up and uh, yeah, it's, it's really rough, but, and it's going to take a lot of time, but, I, I feel in, in regards to customer service, that is my philosophy, my personal philosophy and, and responsibility around customer service and taking care of this product that I'm putting out into the world. Because to me, these are an extension of me. And as best as I can possibly take care of them for as long as possible, I will. And, I and, and, and in regards to the question, how much more are you willing to pay for the extra customer service? I think that's part of it. Because a lot of people, they just make a thing, send it out in the world, and they're like, fuck you, see you later. Um, yeah. Where um, people are definitely paying a premium when they buy my work. But part of yeah. that premium goes into that extended long-term care for as long as I can do the work to take care of that thing. If I if I can add one more thing here, I mean another another thing to consider is what you're buying. So, let's say that you're buying shop equipment. Um, you know, if your a piece of equipment goes down, how important is that to you? Are you good being out? You know, two weeks, three weeks, or you know, how much money are you going to lose during that time versus mm-hmm. dealing with a company that's going to send you a replacement part the next day? that you know they're going to pick up the phone. And so I think a lot of it is personal, right? If you're a hobby guy that, uh, you know, can care less, but if Jeff Fader's, you know, grinder goes down, he he doesn't want to be down for three weeks, you know? So I just go, I just, I just go to my left. 
Vince. <laughs> just stand. I just take a step to the left. You know, so I, I think that's 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 one of those things too that you know people need to. I, I think it's going to vary on what they're buying, and yeah. what their situation is. That's that's how you place the value on it. Makes sense. If I could just okay. tell one quick story, and this happened. This is a knife maker story. <clears throat> a friend of mine got a knife from a knife maker, and when he he my friend called me up and he says, "Listen, I got this knife from this knife maker." When it arrived, it had a slick of rust on it. And I said, oh, that sucks. And he goes, yeah, what sucks even more is when I reached out to the knife maker, the knife maker says, well, it wasn't there when I sent it. And that was the end of it. (laughs) And it was like, it was so, it was, it left such a bad taste in my friend's mouth that he was just like, fuck this guy, you know? It wasn't even like, hey, that's so weird. Why don't you send it back and I'll give it a cleanup or here's what you can do. He said, well, it wasn't like that when I sent it. And that was the end of communication. Mm. The guy's mm-hmm. gone for, I mean, we're talking now. There's no way he's going to be recommended. There's no way my friend is ever going to buy. And he, my friend's got some money, you know, and, and, and it, that, that, that's not that, well, that's not the issue, but it really is, is like you, you've made this, you've made this decision to, to, to nickel and dime someone instead of kind of like, you know, take care of them. And ultimately it's just like, he's going to badmouth this guy for the rest of his life. You know, if the mm-hmm. guy's name comes up. He's going to say, oh, yeah, that guy, you know, chiseled me because he, you know, sent me a rusty knife. So. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, A few words from one of our sponsors. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. 15% 15% off. Go do it. Mareko, would you like to take Jay Daler's question? J.D. Eiler. He's going to give me problems if you don't Jay say Jay Daler. Real... Jay Daler. <laughs> Jay Daler. Go take Jay Daler's knife. Uh, problem. <laughs> this is a terrible question. It's uh, Jay Daler's fault. Okay. Jay... Wait. J.D. Eiler. Jay Daler? J.D. Okay. J.D. Eiler. <laughs> Any tips for hitting on the ladies? I need a girlfriend. Uh, first off, don't ask us because we're we've got dirt under our fingernails, and we we record a fucking podcast. Do you know how uncool that we're is? All married, <laughs> JD, we're all married, JD. We're all married and old. Yes, yeah. I think that's Dummy. why he's asking yeah. us. Yeah, you we know, he actually also he also on it. when he wrote that he I wrote. Ugh what a question he goes because you know some of us need a banana tailpipe too something like that oh jesus <laughs> so, so there are apps for that shit yeah there you go <laughs> and question answered jd Aller, get yourself off your ranch get on your phone and start swiping left what's the matter with you ranch he's on a ranch in texas somewhere oh, i thought like i i had this idea that he was sitting in front of a bowl of ranch dressing yeah, You're don't stop sitting in front everything. of a bit. Get off the ranch. Get, get off the ranch. Start swiping left. And stop asking old men how to get dates. I mean, that's just pathetic. <laughs> so pathetic, JD. I mean, come on, man. Pathetic, yes. Yes. <sighs> well, that didn't go as well. Okay, EDC Gearhouse. Uh, first off, the sour episode might have been the funniest one to date. Uh, nice work, boys. Uh, he's got a question. With all the speciality use knives like cheese knives, fish knives, bread knives, etc., has there been a time in your life where you were doing a task with a knife thinking, 
there has to be a better way or a tool for this. Um, you said, keep up the great work. I think if there's an opportunity to make a product, somebody's probably made it, let's face it. Um, but um, what what do you think, uh, Vince? Is there any time you've been using a knife thinking, there's got to be a better way than this? Huh. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've been trying to like repair kids' toys, and you need a screwdriver, and I pick a knife yeah. up, and I use a knife, and I'm like, ah, flat, yeah. this isn't working. Yeah, no. You know, so maybe a, a flathead <laughs> knife would work well, quite well yeah. in the kitchen. Hey, you know, Swiss Army knife. You <laughs> know? No, Leatherman. Yeah. You need a Leatherman. Yeah, there you go. Get yeah. a fucking yeah. Leatherman. No, I mean, I, my, my kitchen knife set is like 10 or 11 knives, so I kind of have a knife for everything, so I don't really find that but uh yeah i i don't know in the in the vein mm. of is there's got to be a better way to do this and this is something that's come up on this podcast for months now the home sharpening system there's mm. got to be a better way i just had one of our listeners sent me that tumbling that tumbler you know that oh, you know what i'm talking about yeah. rolling so thing. they have it's like a magnet that holds your knife at a specific angle and then you have this roller mm. that you roll back and forth this thing looks so goddamn dangerous because you know on if that small magnet is holding the knife if you put too much weight pressure on one end it's going to just flop off the magnet yeah. there's no way it's going to hold that thing and i've honestly i, I this is, comes up on this podcast all the time there has got to be an easier and better way to teach customers and people who are not work well, metal workers or craftspeople or, or or handy people how to sharpen knives. There's yeah. got to be a better way. That's yeah, the it's, that's it's, it's it's called the Broadback sharpening system, man. I mean, yeah, I don't know but what's you wrong can't. Yeah, but you, what do you think these people in their houses in in in, in Larchmont are going to have a Broadback system calling you up for belts? I mean, Jesus. Uh, yeah, sure. All right, there you go. Keeps That's what sharp. you should do. Keeps good the point. angle. Come on. Give it's a good point. It's a good point. I don't know. I, I I tend to think that there are that's to me is still like the biggest you know, educating the the home user on sharpening is the biggest it's a it's a huge hurdle. A yeah, huge there's, hurdle. Hmm. There's a lot of people that just throw their knives away. They just go to, you know, Walmart, buy a fifteen dollar knife. Once it doesn't cut, they throw it away, buy another one. Hmm. There's it's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a better way. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that that isn't covered well, you know? No. No. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't I'm sorry, I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> I can't really think yeah, of a moment yeah. right now. Well, Let's head back uh, a couple to John Marston. John Marston, uh, a good listener and a good good guy. Uh, hey, fellas, hope all is well. Love the show. I have a few. I have a question. What do you think is a fair and realistic warranty for a locking folding knife? Try as I may to make these knives tough. Parts will wear out, and it's impossible to make a knife idiot-proof. I sell a few knives a year. I haven't had any issues, but recently I had a knife where the customer had taken the knife apart, lost and stripped all the screws, and sent it back to oh. me in a Ziploc bag with pieces. There oh. has to be some sort of resolution. I want to up production, but I worry I'd spend too much time dealing with issues like this. Any ideas? Or should I make a few folders and make primarily fixed knives? This is the number one fear I have in terms of thinking about getting into the fixed knife game. Because I mean, the folding knife game. I mm. do, And that's the reason why I don't mm. sell the friction folders. 
I do not want to get the calls. Man, this isn't tight enough. This isn't. This yeah, is too loose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I that the thought of like what happens down the line when somebody's got their you know their pasta in the in the in the wheel well and they can't they can't open or close it and then they're just like <laughs> all of a sudden it's my fault. I don't want that. What do you do? Yeah, I again, I think it's education again, like like we talked about with regards to sharpening and just care of knives. Um, if there's a knife with moving parts, um, you know, it's going to need some care. And as for people, you know, taking screws out, sending them back yeah. in Ziploc bags, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, yeah, I, that's, that's, I, that's not good. I think you write a warranty out. I mean, that's what I do with my knives. You know, I, I kind of facetiously tell them, you know, if you, if you try to cut down a tree with my fillet knife, I won't cover that. But, you know, any normal wear and tear, I'll cover it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I think if you write something that says, you know, if, if your knife, you know, is, is no longer working or have any issues, send it back. Do not take your own knife apart. You know, yeah. but people will lie. People will lie. I've had knives come back that have clearly been in dishwashers yeah, and that kind me of too. thing. And, but, you know, yeah. it, 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 you're never going to eliminate that, but you can at least cut that back a little bit. I mean, I had one that the, the handle was all swollen, all the, you know, adhesive had given way i mean it was clearly going through the dishwasher but you know i i think that's happened like once or twice in 10 years so you know you're never going to get rid of it but if you can reduce it a good bit i think you're good talking about you guys had mentioned uh leatherman leatherman has a they have a, a you know no questions asked warranty and they send you they send you new stuff you almost have to get into that game where there's a, I got, I just got a wallet. It's called a Ridge wallet. It's a, and when they send it to me, it's like a hard case with like, you know, all this stuff. They sent it to me with screw extra screws and a screwdriver, Yeah. you know, and it's almost like they know I'm going to fuck it up. <laughs> so they know. So they, they, I mean, and I think that there's a lot of companies like that where that's why a lot of these companies like Leatherman and all that stuff, they make the screws so you can, you know, it's not, you know, done like a rivet. You know, I, I think that there, that's the scary thing to me. Like the, that locking those mechanisms, what happens at what point are you responsible for them? And what if you think guy takes it, takes it out and he rips the strips, the threading when he puts it back in and cross threads it. And all of a sudden, not only is the screw screwed up, but the, maybe the threading too on the inside. Mm. Yeah. What can you do? I don't, yeah. what, what do you? What can you do? This is knife talk. You gotta fucking talk about it. <laughs> well, I, I think you know another thing you could do is you can just use red Loctite to lock all the screws in place tight. That way, you know you know that they're not gonna ship it back to you tampered with, or it'll be very clear because all the screw heads are gonna be stripped. Hmm. And you'll you'll know yourself to apply a little bit of heat and cut it loose and go from there. Mm. So I think there's some ways to safeguard it. Now, if well, Fader places an order for anything, just send him an extra one because you know he's going to fuck it all up. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You send me, yeah, buy one, get one free. That's the, hey, there you go. That's it. Buy that's, one, that's, get that's one free, John. That's the answer. Yeah. That's right. Send, buy one, send two. That's it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know I have this philosophy of repairing the knife and take care of the knife no matter what, but that is not, I actually don't think it's necessarily the greatest policy for everybody or even for myself mm-hmm. sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. But maybe you have a repaired 
department, quote unquote. And there are, you know, if somebody fucks with the knife and they take it apart and they're not supposed to take it apart and have it like in your terms of use, like if you take it apart, like we're not responsible for anything issue. But if there's somebody does take it apart and they need you to fix something, then that's going to cost them. Like that sure. adds on to the thing. You can't just, it, it's like diving into, you know, spending money on your fucking car with all these stupid electronics and shit and then diving in there and thinking, oh, I'm going to fix it. And then you fuck it up. Guess what? You got to take it back to the dealership. They got to reset or fix a bunch of shit that you fucked up. That's going to cost you. It's, That's not free. Is, is this personal experience talking over here, Mariko? You know, it sounds mm, like you're kind of, you know. No. I mean, uh, I get worked uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, uh, with, uh, I obviously, I've got, I talk about the Peloton. We had to get extend warranty because my wife and I ride it every day, and we've gotten we've gotten uh, workmen to come in to kind of give it a tune up because like it, we we went we used all the warranty and then we went past the warranty. We had gotten the and it was a good thing we got the extra warranty because they, the workman told me we probably racked up an extra five hundred dollars worth of repairs, and if it wasn't for their warranty, we would have been out. And there are parts that just you know, screws or adjustment knobs and stuff like that, that wear out. And that was what happens when you use something. So then how do you deal with those things? And do you want to deal with those things? Mm -hmm. Especially if it's expensive, if you're, if you're selling a knife for $600, $700, whatever. And then all of a sudden if the guy's using it all the time and then it's fooling around, he's going to call you up and he's going to send you a message saying, Hey, can you fix this? And there's gotta be something in Mm -hmm. place. You have to either say yes or got to figure something out that's i mean that is the number one reason why i, I haven't uh, i'm supposed to be doing some not f- something f- something with uh, bantam tools and i'm like that's my biggest fear is what happens if something breaks down well you know jeff the other thing to consider man if you're selling a knife that's you know 600 bucks how many people are really going to use it and abuse it and how many people are going to use it as men's jewelry you know right where they just go out so it's 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 a numbers game really yeah very good. There we go. Okay. You know what? If you are going to design a new knife, you know where you could go for that? Knifeprint.com. CAD in the browser. No need to download any programs, no licensing issues. It's all done in the browser. Design your knives. Print them out on paper if you like and, you know, make templates, all that kind of stuff. Even better, you can print them out in steel. Press print, choose the steel that you want, the type of stock that you want, the thickness, the rest of it. They'll get it shipped to you. Um, It'll be either water jet cut or laser cut, you specify. Um, It's an amazing service, Uh, particularly if you're sort of prototyping stuff as well. Um, Super, super fast. Knifeprint.com. Go take a look. They're good guys. Okay, what should we do? Should we carry on with questions? We also have listener feedback um, or whatever you want to do. Let's let's do a bit of that. We we always like a bit of that. Yeah. All right. Here's a good one. This is from our friends. If you want to uh, contribute to the show, go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, and then you can send us a DM and questions, dilemmas, bits. If you have a bit idea that you have, some of you, some of these bits are good. Some of them are just okay. <laughs> you can do that. But uh, you can do the listener feedback there. Our our friend, uh, our skateboarding knife making uh, friend, J Mod Knives, sent a great feedback. He says, "I believe a couple epi- episodes ago." You guys talked about making a knife for celebrities to get more traction. About a year ago, I made a knife for Tony Hawk, hoping he would repost it with his 8 million followers. I made a post telling everyone to tag him, and he ended up seeing it and giving me his address. 
He was nice enough to open the package I sent him on his podcast and say some nice things, but he never posted anything about the knife on social media. Long story short, I think if you're going to make us give a celebrity, give, uh, you're going to make a celebrity something, at least have a verbal contract making sure that they'll post the knife for you. I don't think it was a complete waste of time. At least the legendary bird band is one of my pieces. Cheers, boys. That's hmm. a good uh topic of conversation of the expectations if you make something for someone famous <laughs> hoping for like mm. something and it doesn't happen because i've had that before i had a yeah I, I feel like the problem though is you, when you do something like that for somebody that big you are not in the position of leverage right which means you are not in the position to request a fucking thing whatever they do for you i and uh, jaymon you're awesome dude but anybody i've done this myself i've had to give myself this pep, pep talk because i've done it and i've been like what the fuck and then come to the realization i'm like i am nobody and they are in that world somebody and whatever they do or don't do it's i, I they don't owe it to me because I am not in the position of leverage or in the position, which means to like make any demands or say, if I send this knife to you, you have to do a post, <laughs> at least one post in your stories or on your, whatever, any of that shit. And yeah. And the yeah. value of that to them, I mean, they're, you know, certain celebrities, their exposure is, is, is their value. Yeah. So, you know, they're probably getting, I mean, we're knife makers and people want to send them knives. They've got people who want to send them all sorts of shit, I yeah. bet. And, you know, they've got their, 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 their image is everything to them. So they need to protect that. They can't just be hawking shit online. Well, some do. They can't be hawking shit online all day because, you know, it, people see through that immediately. So, yeah, I, I don't think you can expect anything if you do that. Um I mean, in your case, he's obviously a bit of a hero of yours. So, you know, great. Now he's got one of your knives. That's great. Um, but, yeah, I don't think you can really expect anything from from their exposure, really. Shame I mean, and I think it's awesome that he talked about it on the podcast, on his podcast. Yeah, I yeah. mean, just even – I feel like that's plenty of value right there, honestly, yeah. that that even happened. J-Mod, um, send yeah. us a link to the episode, and we'll post it in, in Knife Talk. I want to I hear what, what – uh, Tony Hawk has to say about your your knife, and I hope it's with that fucking <laughs> that Australian. Uh, what's his face? Uh, I forgot his name. Jason Ellis. I hope it's the Jason Ellis episode too. He's crazy, but it, it happens. You gotta just you gotta you gotta let it loose. Uh, sometimes some people are cool. Some people aren't. Um, I've had celebrities who did a nice job for me, and some of them who totally were like thanks and then that was the thanks i got was the, just writing thanks <laughs> and there wasn't anything and i've gotten stuff that i've gotten nothing from yeah. so it's a i i think you just got expected you know and i think if you go into it with the right expectation it, it, it's, it's a bit of a gamble sometimes you win sometimes you lose yeah yeah i think you, you make that like like Vince was just saying, you go into the making that decision to send something to somebody and expect zero in return. It, hopefully, they at least just enjoy it and use it, whether or not they post about it or not. If anything else happens, that's a total bonus. Uh, but again, like <laughs> it's weird. Like You're sending them a thing and then asking them to do something for you. And, and, and like you're just not in the position to do that. 
I did that with Henry Golding. Mm. And that story, that's Henry Golding was Snake Eyes in the G.I. Joe movie. He mm-hmm. met, met me through uh, my friend Nico, who was filming, uh, f- uh, doing the set photography. And he reached out, bought a knife, and then something happened. The knife got lost in the mail in his apartment or something like that. It was very kind of questionable. <laughs> I mean, I'm, the, more, the more I say it, the more questionable the whole story is. So I went out of my way. I made him another one, sent it to him. And I said, he says, do you want me to pay? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, if you could just, you know, post about it, that'd be great. And he did. And it was very nice. And that was, and I just was like, say it or, you know, sometimes it's like you can suggest it without feeling bad about it and just say, look, if you, if, you know, if you could post about it, I'd appreciate it. No harm in saying that. It's either say it or don't, you know? So, and he's not a friend. So like, you know, Tony Hawk did a nice job. I want to, I want to listen to that episode, j So. I think if anybody's thinking about sending a knife to somebody, also be thoughtful about what that person is known for. Like, is Tony Hawk doing a lot of knife stuff or cooking stuff on his Instagram? Uh, maybe he does in his private life, but is it is it something that he's often sharing? Because if it's not um, kind of, oh, fuck, what's the word? But, like, if it doesn't fit the, the way he already operates with the way he on brand yeah on brand um and symbiotic no no you don't like that okay all right on brand's fine it's a c word of some sort i can't remember what one but anyways that word but just like say that you know making sure that if if you're trying especially for us we do culinary knives if we're sending a knife to somebody it would make sense to send it to somebody who uses culinary knives in their continuity so it's in so it would be in in on brand and in line with what they're already doing so it wouldn't be like a weird departure for them to show a knife in a post or say something about a knife but if it's not what they're already doing and not in line with how they present themselves to the world and the content they create, then it's like, like I, I get these weird advertise like emails. We'd love you to be part of our campaign. And it's for like fucking makeup and jewelry. And I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Who is doing the market research? <laughs> now, if they want to pay me enough, then maybe I'll take it up. But with a little mascara out there, you know. Look at yeah. you! Take that money, baby. I, I, I've been getting, I've been getting emails for from gasket companies, like companies that. <laughs> I'm you not hear kidding. About you changing your oil all the time. They want me to. They want to know about my O-ring. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I thought you said casket. No, I thought you said casket. Not casket. <laughs> <laughs> they want to know. Isn't that right on brand? Yeah. Man of your age. I got you coming and going. Baby, all right, I got you. <laughs> they want to. They want to know about my O ring, Craig. <laughs> Checking on my gasket. Um, we got some more uh, feedback. This one comes from Paul Jansen. He says, "Here's a thought on creativity. People aren't just scared of being judged, and it's not working. They're scared of succeeding. If I make whatever it is, and people love it, and I'll be able to make enough to satisfy the demand, can I replicate it?" Do I have time to do more of it? Can I afford to keep doing it? Most people are content to stay in the rut. Uh, the in the lot uh, they live, it's because they're comfortable. So I guess we were talking mm-hmm. about creativity, and people do it. He's saying that people do it because they're afraid of success. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of the counter argument to what we talked about last week. But yeah, yeah, it makes sense too. 
Yeah. Well, I, I had uh, Mark Adams on full blast and we were talking about creativity. And, and the interesting thing about creativity is I think that people have this concept that, you know, I'm not creative. It isn't that you're not creative. It's the execution of the creativity that's the hard mm. part. You know, you can come up with anything in your mind, but if you can't make it work or figure it out, then it's like it's almost wasted creativity. Mm. So. But I also think it's it's almost like training. The more creative you can be, the more creative you get. Um, and if you're not, you know, some people just don't put any effort into into any sort of creativity, and then you know, it, they're just they're just dead inside, you know, and it, and it, they're not getting any sparks coming to them. But I think the more you do it, you sort of you're almost like training your brain, and you and you got the sparks going and become more and more creative, you know. Mm-hmm. And on that creative note, EDC Gearhouse wrote, last week we were talking and I, I had mentioned there was one knife I referred to it as a total money grab. Uh, and he says, regarding the part of the last episode that Fader talked about the build of his being a money grabber, I feel like all of us that make our living being creative, we have these default bills that we refer to, that we revert to because they sell. And success always inspires creativity. You get the good endorphin gain and it inspires something new for us to create. So, mm. and then Michael, will, okay. can I go give ahead. a quick shout out to EDC Gearhouse? Go ahead. They, they made us some challenge coins before, They did. Right? I have them. That's what I, that's what I heard. Yeah, so. I have them. What do you hurt? You hurt. I told uh, you I but have them. He, he actually, uh, they made <laughs> I mean, me some, <laughs> they made me some, and I want to, well, how long ago did he mail those? I've been well, waiting I, on it. I mean, <laughs> no, you certain. know, I sent them to, I sent them to Connecticut. You said, what? You Nothing, said the... never mind. It was an inside joke. Inside oh, like joke. my steel? Um, it was an inside joke. Relax. Anyways, he made some great uh, challenge coins, and I'm excited to meet him at Blade Show. Um, but I, I have, there's a couple extras, and I think I'm going to do a, kind of a, some sort of special giveaway with them. But they do some really cool work. I didn't realize uh, what he's doing over there, just all these like crazy modifications on stuff, and they can laser engrave and EDM, and they do anodizing and all this wild stuff. So I just want to cool. give him a shout out and a thank you. Cool. Do you know who else is doing crazy stuff? Cool stuff. The guys at Dharma Steel, Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram. Wow. If you haven't bought your Dharma Steel yet to be part of our build along, you're missing out. You're missing out. And in fact, you may be too late. I'm not even sure. They may have run out. Keep an eye on their Instagram, Dharma Steel Lab, because when they do have more steel available for the build along, um, they are posting about it. Um, We're all doing the the build along. Um, In the coming weeks, we'll be talking about our various stages. Um, so for those who haven't heard yet, Dharma Steel, they make the best stainless, uh, Damascus. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm out of breath here. I just had a drink before I started talking and I'm like, ah, um, they make some amazing, amazing patterns. Go to have a look at dharmasteel.se. You'll see the kind of stuff that they're making. Um, beautiful, beautiful steels for special stuff. Um, but yeah, join our build along with us. We've got the details down in the description of this podcast. Um, and basically you can win prizes. You can be part of the, the Dharma Steel Chef Invitational that they do, um, Anybody's welcome to join along this build along. You just need to get that piece of steel. And it's the same steel that we all have. We all have the same pattern, the same dimensions. Um, they did sell out, but I know they're working hard to make more. So keep an eye on Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram. Yeah, I've never worked with the Dharma Steel, man. That's one thing that I've been meaning to do at some point here. So 
I'll have to keep an eye out. Maybe I can get myself a piece and join the build along. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The more the merrier. It's going to be fun because um, it. The only stipulation is that it needs to be a coloring knife. That's fine. That's, um, that's but, mainly but what I, I think do. That, I so think that'll work. Yeah, but I think that leaves that leaves the gates wide open. It could be anything, you know. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see the kind of stuff people are making. It's going to be yeah. good. I'm excited also to see them at Blade Show. I actually was just talking to Carly. Uh, I'm going to try to make it over to their booth and talk about the build along and hopefully have something awesome. to show while I'm there. Cool. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, we're still waiting on those pants, Carly. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Questions. Questions. Where, where did we finish? Um, JD Isla was the last one, wasn't it? Uh, not EDC Gearhouse we done. Norick Steel. Hey, guys, quick question regarding insurance coverage. <laughs> What's the matter? I, you know, believe it or not, boring or not, we get that, sh- we get that question so much. <laughs> We get that we get that question all the time. I'm like I'm this we is do, one of 10 of like what do yeah. you do? Let, let's do it then. Let's do it and we can we can wrap up that question for yeah. good. Uh regarding insurance coverage, understandably having coverage on your shop space and contents, but you carry any kind of liability coverage uh for your products. Uh he says don't worry your broker isn't listening. And, and just to add on to that, another person has said how do you get blacksmithing insurance so when you go to do demos or you're in the you're out at a farmer's market or you're demoing how do you make sure that you're covered doing that i get that all the time mm-hmm. people are terrified of being sued i mean i imagine yeah. it would be along the lines i see i feel like i see glass blowers at markets doing their glass blowing thing um often or, or more often than i would probably expect and um, there's got to be something, unless they're just flying by the she- seat of their pants. But I mean, you think um, Glass Blowers Guild has an insurance <laughs> maybe, insurance I agency? Know. I don't know. I, I think a lot of people just put a nice, you know, boundary all around them so that people can't get in there, and they kind of hope for the best. I think what's the bulk of people do actually. But, sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 the hard part i mean this is the hardest dead air well i mean it's the hard see this this is something that i mean people are now they found a hobby they're getting good at it they want to get into business and then all of a sudden it's like the first part where you start to talk about insurance companies when you want to get a shop and your landlord says okay where's your insurance there are it's knife making anything that sounds dangerous is really hard to find insurance. And I know that we had a lot of problems because of the certain wording that we had that we had to change just because the insurance companies, they don't know. They don't, mm-hmm. they, they're not in the ABS. It's not like Jay Nielsen is your insurance agent that he understands. You know, so these people think that we're all maniacs, you know, or, 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 or knife wielding maniacs. That's really what they think. Mm-hmm. I've talked yeah. to them. I've talked to them. They th- and they don't understand the, what a metal shop is. They don't understand the difference. And you're using words like bladesmith, and you're using these words that be sound cool, but they don't sound cool to the insurance companies. They sound like a liability to the insurance company. Yeah. So I think yeah. that you might want to consider having your, you know, your descriptions that you're providing a little bit more in line with less piratey and more, <laughs> you know, because that's what everybody does. Everyone thinks yeah, yeah. they're, you know, Jason Knight, and they think that it's <laughs> like, you know, everyone's like Captain Jack Sparrow, and we're going to run around with swords in our teeth. No. But it, you should think about it more like a metal shop. That's what I tell people. 
the, my shop is more like a metal shop and the dangerous things are not the knives, the things are the equipment. So I think there's a lot more, you gotta take some of the romance out of the business and make it more like a business and then you're gonna find yourself being taken serious, more seriously with insurance companies. Yeah, one of the things I feel like I heard uh, was referring to yourself as a mixed media artist. Um, which isn't untrue because you're working with metal, you're working with wood, maybe you're doing precious metal inlay or stone setting, whatever. Um, but using that as your term for what you do, I think helps put people a, li a little bit more at ease. Cause well, like, what are they going to do? They're going to, some people m might really dig in. All right. Well, what does that mean? What kind of tools do you have? And then that's when you start talking more about the tools and maybe not, not as much about the, like the liability of the products that you make and send out in the world. And then the, you should probably mm -hmm. reconsider the, your name being like kill zone LLC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, and it, depending on where you are, I know that in Florida, there's a lot less, you know, it's a, it's, you know, you can sue anybody you want. You can sue anybody you want. I know some friends of mine in Florida who were part of some lawsuits based on the product. The product mm. had broken or something had happened and, and they were sued. So there is liability insurance that you need to pick up to make sure that um, everything's cool. I mean, I would imagine for Broadback, you're dealing with liability all the time. Yeah, we do. Right. I mean, this is kind of different, though. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, we've been discussing about the liability in the shop, but what if somebody stabs somebody with your knife? Is should you take liability insurance against that? Well, no, <laughs> of course not. I mean, that's you can't you can't be. I mean, that's like McDonald's. You know, putting you had to put a sign on your knife saying, you know, this coffee's hot. You know, yeah. you can't be. You can't. Yeah. Uh, can you do that? Can you, can you, should you be taking liability insurance for something that somebody does with your knife? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is because they could, people could do anything with a bloody anything. Yeah. yeah. A drinking straw they could do damage with. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm bored. <laughs> oh, good old Craig Lockwood. I'll be honest Craig with Lockwood. you. There you go. Right. Let's say I'm in Texas. I'm looking to buy some sandpaper. Where should I go? Where the hell would I go? Well, Texas Ferry Supplies. Any ideas, Texas Ferry Supplies is where I would go. And I would go check out all the things they have. Supplies for blacksmiths, supplies for bladesmiths, supplies for farriers, metal workers, all that stuff. And they have the number one sandpaper on the market, Rhino Wet from Indossi USA. That's the stuff we all use. And if you're going to use sandpaper for hand sanding all that, Get yourself some Rhino Wet and you go to TexasFairySupply.com, put in the promo code KNIFETALK10, is that right? KNIFETALK10? And you get 10% yeah, yeah. off your order entirely at Texas Ferry Supply. So get yourself some Rhino Wet in, from Dos USA and stop playing. Okay, so I've been, I've been, I've been down Texas. It's, it's a bit too hot for me. I'm thinking about going up north. I'm going to Canada. I want to buy a grinder. Where would I go, Vince? Ah, uh, gee. I don't know. Maybe Maritime? There you go. Right boy. I think that'd be the best place to go. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Um, they obviously got broadback grinders there because they've got all the best stuff. Yes, they do. Um, they've got steel, belts, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, and more. And they're also the Canadian distributor for combat abrasives, and too. And steel. So they also sell 
Rhino Wet, Rhino Steel. Dharma Steel, they, they sell it all. Um, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, go take a look. They've always got deals on belts if you buy 10 as well. Good, 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 good guys. Okay. What should we do? Should we call it a day? Could you get the after show. Let's go to an after show. Okay. Thank you for all for listening. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast. There we go. We need a title for this week's show. Any ideas, anyone? Well, I mean, and by the way, Vince, this is not, this is still recording. So don't, don't yeah, just, no don't, you know, <laughs> keep your pants up and don't worry. Don't, <laughs> don't just don't say anything you're going to regret. People think that this part is, this is the fun part, but you know. Now you start. It's a bit looser, yeah. but we're yeah, we we still button it down. Yeah. I was thinking about something about the banana knife, but I don't think I don't know if that's I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. I'm over it. I'm over the banana okay. knife. Okay, okay, I'll don't, find. Don't some. do I'll something some. about the insurance because that was like watching paint dry. Yeah, it, you know it, what it, though? Yeah, it, it, it's some of these questions. I mean, these are legitimate questions that people are like. I'm ready to take it. I'm ready to take it seriously. What the fuck do I do about this? Because they're yeah, looking yeah. for some help. I mean, you know, can't call mom. She don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah. So, Rekko, you've been traveling. What have you been listening to? What have you been watching? What's been going on? Uh, I started the new Mandalorian series, uh, season, and that's been going. I think I'm on, like, episode four. What else have been listening to? God, I don't know what I've been listening to. Not a lot. <laughs> Honestly, I've just been been doing. Oh, I've been. <laughs> uh, I, I have a band locally called C Average, um, but they're much better than a C Average. They they play what's fondly referred to, I believe, as stoner rock, oh, wow. um, hmm. which the other bands like Fugazi and Sasquatch and other kinds of bands are along the line. It's uh, actually Stone Temple Pilots probably isn't too far off and early like um uh, Temple of the Dog and Soundgarden aren't too far off from it, but I've been getting into that mm. a bit more lately. Uh Gabe cool. uh Gabe Fletcher up at Anchorage Forge uh who I was working with and teaching stuff with. Um he used to be in a band called Callahan and they actually have a page on Spotify of their music and it's fucking good. Um, and so, and it's more metal than the stoner rock, but it's, it's kind of, I kind of forget how much I enjoy listening to that style of music. I don't listen to it a lot lately, but it is nice to get back into that a little bit again. Um, so that's what I've been listening to. Cool. Cool. I mentioned last week, a book that I've been listening to on audible, which I think would be right up your street. It's the, it's the Rick Rubin book, the, the creative act. Hmm. And um, we went into detail about in last okay. week's show, but I think I think personally, I think you would really, really, sure. really dig it. Yeah, I just for my my Patreon for the uh, Artisans of Steel podcast, I just recorded an episode with Van Barnett, uh, who's a, a maker from West Oh shit, West Virginia, I believe, um, and he is a wildly creative dude, and he does some really out of the box stuff. Uh, and, and at, actually at one point in, in the conversation, he's like, he, he, he never liked the term think outside the box. He's like, let me build the fucking box and then work around inside of it. And so, uh, but he, he his creativity and his kind of like his philosophy and his outlook around knife making was really, really cool to chat with and talk to him about. Um, because you know, he has been, and he's 
definitely an artist, but he's also a craftsman. Um, and so, but using knife making as his medium has been a great way for him to explore all these various facets and techniques and approaches and combinations of materials and colors. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good conversation. I've, I've that's, a, a honestly like around creativity has kind of been another thing I've been listening to audiobooks and thinking about a lot more lately. Because of the mm. funk I was fucking talking about earlier. I've been in that like <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. funk. So so I'm like, what? I need to figure this shit out. Do, do you mm. listen to a lot of these books and music and whatnot while you're working in the shop? Yes, absolutely. That's like, yeah. I, honestly, that's the only time I get to listen to any of that stuff. See, that's interesting. I, I can't really have music or anything else going on when I'm in the shop. I kind of just like to just zero in in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Do the do, do you guys, uh, you know, Jeff and uh, do you guys listen to that stuff as well, or like listen to podcast music? What do you guys like to do in the shop? Yeah, podcast and music always on in the background mm. for me. Yeah, we yeah. have satellite radio on all the time, and then I also dip into sports radio, local sports radio. Mm. I'm I'm actually fascinated by it. And with baseball now has been kind of full swing, it's been really interesting to listen. And if they're day games, day games are playing in the shop, which I love. So what's neat is to watch a game or listen to, usually for me, it's listening to a game. And then I do like to listen to the sports radio the next day to kind of hear what the professional takes have been. So that's been far more interesting to me, way more than I expected. And um, basketball... Lots of sports radio, basketball, sports radio, baseball. I'm, I'm like all in on that. That's weird. Totally mm-hmm. weird. But it's interactive because, you know, baseball is so great to listen to because you can, it's slow enough that you can kind of understand what's happening. Listening to basketball is hard, really hard. And I'm, I'm now with playoffs, I'm, I'm doing a lot more listening to basketball. But mm. the listening to baseball, you can follow along and kind of like you become very attuned to what's happening. And it, it's very, it's actually interesting. My wife's been doing a lot more too. And it's very like, it's you 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 become way more thoughtful than you realize. Cause you kind of know what's happening, know what the, you know, who's up, who's coming up next. And that I enjoy that very much. I so. follow a guy on Instagram called Bob Menery. He's a comedian, but he has like this great announcer voice and he does these fake voiceover kind of, uh, he, he speaks as though he's like, yeah, uh, the broadcaster or right. like live at the baseball game and stuff like that. But he's using all kinds of like terrible languages and yeah. saying all kinds of fucked up stuff. And it is hilarious. I love his posts. They're yeah. great. Play by play broadcasting is the hardest of them all. And it's really like you have to be so in the moment and you have to fill space and you have to be engaging. And it's the ultimate form of broadcasting. And even sports radio guys who, try to do broadcasting uh, like play by play they're like it's impossible it's like it's so hard and it's 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 an art it's a real art mm. what well, well, what about you uh vince then so outside of making what 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 gets you ticking what what's your thing well i mean you know i i really like business i really enjoy doing the market analysis all the boring stuff that nobody else you know, likes to do. I, I, I enjoy just mm. trying to figure out, you know, markets, what they're doing, where they're going. Uh, I've been digging into a lot of business books these days. Just, uh, 
you know, trying to learn more. Um, you know, I've been uh, started coaching my my son in soccer. I was a semi pro uh, soccer player back in the nineteen hundreds. You know, and um, so it's been kind of cool to start doing that again. And you know, so I try to get involved with the family. Um, I also fish. I'm a you know avid hunter and fisherman. So when I'm not in the knife shop or working with Broadbeck, I try to spend some time in the woods. I'm going to go tuna fishing this year a couple of times and, you know, just trying to get away um, mm. you know, as much as I can. But uh, yeah, my calendar is always pretty full. You know, I try <laughs> to yeah. try to keep myself centered and doing the things that I enjoy too. You know, I'm getting kind of jealous you know, listening to Mareko about, you know, music and this and that. I I haven't picked up my guitar in like three years, you know, and, and it's like, um, so it's always a mix. You know, I've my, my wife told me once that I was a chronic hobbyist because I had all these hobbies that I did and I would get bored with them and move on to the next thing. And <laughs> I've been trying to revisit a lot of those. Um, you know, like I've made a bonsai tree, which I hadn't done in forever. and. You know, so I, I kind of do a lot of random stuff when I'm not in the shop or, or working with Broadbeck. Yeah, keeps the mind ticking away, definitely, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, shall we call it a yeah. day? It's been a good yeah, show. Yeah, fun. Enjoyed Thank it. you for coming on, Thank you, Vince. Vince. It's been, it's yeah, been nice having a different voice to speak to because these guys, <laughs> they haven't got a fucking clue what they're talking about, I'll be honest with you. Well, I appreciate you guys <laughs> having me, and you know, I really, really did enjoy it a lot, and you know, hopefully the audience likes it, and see what happens. Cool. Right. Cool. Right. Thank you all for listening. We shall speak to you again next next week. Bye for now. Right, Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.